Welcome to The Art of Being a Mum, the podcast where we hear from mothers who are artists and creators, sharing their joys and issues around trying to be a mother and continue to make art. Regular topics include mum guilt, identity, the day-to-day juggle, mental health and how children manifest in their art. My name's Alison Newman. I'm a singer, songwriter and a mum of two boys from regional South Australia. I have a passion for mental wellness and a background in early childhood education. You can find links to my guests and topics they discuss in the show notes, along with music played, a link to follow the podcast on Instagram and how to get in touch. All music used on the podcast is done so with permission. The Art of Being a Mum acknowledges the Bowendick people as the traditional custodians of the land and water which this podcast is recorded on and pays respects to the relationship the traditional owners have with the land and water, as well as acknowledging past, present and emerging elders. Thanks so much for joining me today. My guest this week is Ellie D. Ellie is a music publicist currently living in Bundaberg, Queensland, originally from Adelaide in South Australia. And Ellie is a mum of three children under two, including twin girls. Ellie is hugely passionate about the Australian music scene. Through her podcast, her internet radio station and her YouTube series, Ellie's pure focus is highlighting undiscovered Australian music artists. Ellie spent many years in human resources and promotion, but her passion was in the music industry. In high school, Ellie's Year 12 project was on community radio. In university, she was hosting five RTI's Italian program. It was when Ellie was hosting Southern FM's Monday Breakfast that she really realised there were so many Australian artists who were going under the radar. So she used her show to promote and highlight them. Ellie brought her skills from her previous jobs to begin working as a manager and promoter for Aussie artists, which saw her attend the ARIA Awards. In early 2018, when she left Melbourne, she was touted as the next Molly Meldrum. When her family moved to Bundaberg as a 36-year-old, she was basically retired, as the music industry was so different. During 2020, when her son was four months old, she was reinvigorated to do something for herself and started her YouTube podcast series. And on the 1st of March, 2021, Ellie began her radio station. Often a thankless job that does not stop her. Her passion for the Australian music industry is that strong. Today, Ellie also discusses her 15 year infertility journey, IVF experience, complications with her twin pregnancy requiring surgery and going on to 81 days bed rest after her waters broke at 20 weeks and having her twins in the NICU for five and a half weeks. This episode contains discussion around fetal medical procedures, premature birth and complications, and twin-to-twin transfusion syndrome. Music on today's episode is courtesy of myself, Alison Newman. Thanks so much for coming on today, Ellie. It's such a pleasure to meet you and welcome you to the podcast. 
Alison, thank you for having me. I've been so excited to have this chat with you and I'm an avid listener to your podcast. So it's really cool to be someone that's a guest now. Oh, I love that. Thanks for that. I appreciate it. It's always lovely to meet people that have been listening and then get to come on. It's be exciting. Mm-hmm. I love your podcast. I've been listening, working my way through the episodes and every episode has something new for me to think about. Yeah, wonderful. I'm so pleased. That's just, I love hearing that. (laughs) That's so good because I'm like, I learned so much. I'm just learning so much about how to approach my own mothering and like how to change my mindset. And it's just been wonderful for me, like, (laughs) you know, (laughs) Yeah, it does. Yeah. It, it, awesome. it does really. I feel like it. It gives you a fresh perspective because there's no one way to parent, is there? Yeah, that's so true. And it's it's like yeah, you, you can you can. It's like when you first have your children and people give you all this advice. You just take the little bits that that mm. might resonate yep. with you. And I feel like this is the same thing. If you if you pick up something, that's wonderful. So tell us about what you're up to. You're very into music and creating from that point of view. Can you tell us what you actually do? Sure can. So I'm a full-time stay-at-home mum with three kids aged two and under, and I am crazy about the Australian music scene. So I have a podcast, a YouTube series, and also an internet radio station, and my pure focus is to uplift, empower and shine a light on undiscovered Australian music artists. So I understand where you sit also in that community. (laughs) Essentially, my passion is to focus on artists that are in development to see that they get to that ultimate goal, which is to be known and heard and followed by the Australian public in a broader sense. Mm, That is so cool. Good on you for doing that. Mm. <laughs> so it's honestly, it's, just, it's a passion. It's like a personal sort of um, personal passion that you've just decided that's what you're going to do. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're three passion projects. I call them the LED trilogy. Yep. Um, even though I'm not a Star Wars fan, but <laughs> <laughs> it's my own creative take on it. And I guess, you know, there's a story that led to me doing this and, you know, circumstances have led to me leading these passion projects, carrying the cost without any expectation. I don't get any income. I don't make any revenue from this. Mm -hmm. Um, It really is something that fills my cup, but also the changes and the um, positive difference I see being created Mm -hmm. in the lives of others that are, you know, again, putting everything they have into their craft uh, that for me is, it's incredible to watch, mm, to see so that transformation. Yeah. So it's really a very rewarding experience for you to be a part of. It really is. You can't put a price on the growth that I've seen in those that I'm supporting. Yeah. Right. Oh, good yeah. on you. That is so good. Thank you. Need, you. It's yeah. a bit left of field. Oh, it's, it's exciting. I've certainly you'd be the first person that I've had on the podcast that's in this field, in this area. Can you share with us, you said there's a bit of a story, a bit of background, how you got to this point. Can you tell us a bit about that? 
Sure, and I'll try to keep it. Don't keep short. it short. Do what it. Say what you like. <laughs> so um, you're over in South Australia, aren't you? Mm, sure am. Yeah, in Mount Gambier. Yeah, so yep. I grew up in Adelaide, and I went to Adelaide Uni. Did a, a Bachelor of Social Science of Psychology because when I was 16, um, I lost one of my best friends, and I thought if I did psych, then I could save everyone. Oh. Uh, a very yeah. beautiful sentiment, but very naive yeah. uh, for someone who's 16. So I, I did uni and I fell into a job as a recruiter um, by going to a family friend of a friend's barbecue. You know, that's that was Adelaide at yeah. the time. Yeah. <laughs> and after spending 10 years in HR recruitment, employment and training, uh, I got sick of working for other people. I found I hit the glass ceiling really fast. Yeah, I'd move right. into a job and, you know, earn big bucks. And then I'd be like, well, this job's boring. I can do it with my eyes closed. So I just kept taking on more and more. And I never felt fulfilled mm-hmm. in what I was doing. So around the time, it was actually the week that I turned 30. Um, that's when my husband said, look, I'm going to start my PhD. If you want to go ahead and start a business, now is the time for you to do that. Yeah. So I quit. And the week after I was headhunted to start in a contract and, you know, the rest is kind of history until we moved from Adelaide to Melbourne in 2016. I had, at that point, my HR consultancy was going great guns to the point where I had contractors working for me. And, you know, I admittedly didn't have to work every day of the week or every day of the month. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to go back to my grassroots, which was community radio. Yeah, right. In year 12, community radio was my English project. Project um, At university, I was contributing every Saturday afternoon to 5RTI, which was the Italian program in Adelaide. Yep. And I do four hours there on the panel as a youth program, all in Italian. Yep. And I started volunteering at Southern, Southern FM in Brighton. Mm-hmm. Very quickly, um, the program director there, said, look, let's get you doing Monday breakfast. And it was then that I realised, and I'm, I'd love to have a chat with you about this too, but, <laughs> you know, there were so many press releases coming through. We've got AMRAPs air it, mm-hmm. music coming directly to us, and I just felt so overwhelmed because Community Radio's guideline is to play only 25% of Australian music. Mm-hmm. And I understand how that works because in a community station you've got all different types of demographics and um, groups in the community that, you know, you do need to, to really capture the whole community. Mm. So there could be ethnic programs, sporting, et cetera. I get that. But I couldn't understand how there were so many Aussie artists sort of just being missed. Mm. Yep. So I started um, inviting artists to come in, like Malcura. I remember they were one of my first invitations. Um, come into the studio, let's have a chat. So I'd do six till eight by myself and then eight or nine, they'd come in with their instruments. We'd have a bit of a, a chat. They'd play a few songs. But at the end of these chats, the artist is saying to me, Ellie, you've been, you know, okay, you've been in HR and you've been in marketing, but you've also been a career coach of every industry. So yeah. why don't you now coach us? Because you're very interested in radio and you're very interested in music. Yep. And I didn't quite understand what they were getting at, to be honest. <laughs> but very quickly, you know, now I look back and I think how ridiculous. I was giving other people the belief, the empowerment that they could use their transferable skills in other industries. Why I didn't think that for myself, I don't know. 
Uh, I very quickly started managing artists, um, doing venue bookings, artist bookings, going to the ARIA Awards. So, you know, really all of a sudden I kind of threw myself into this experience, which was flying the flag for Aussie musicians. And by the time we came to leave Melbourne, early 2018, I'd gone to an art exhibition and there I was introduced as the next Molly Meldrum. And that floored me because I thought <laughs> yeah. someone, someone obviously is recognising because there was a lot that I was doing then too that I was not paid for. Mm-hmm. The real reward for me, as I guess you could say, as a career coach is to see someone go from I'm not really sure I'm self-doubting myself that imposter syndrome to I am so confident in myself you know at that time we didn't have the pandemic I've got I've got a full calendar of bookings and you know people are buying my merch people are my following online is starting to grow Yeah. yeah when we moved to Bundaberg I brought both my LED brand and my HR brand with me and unfortunately, the internet didn't work here like it did in Melbourne. Oh, yeah. So, you know, we moved here. I was 37 and effectively I had retired. Yeah, right. And the music scene here, admittedly, is very different to what I was experiencing in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. But 2020 came and I found a notebook which I had written in 2016. And that notebook had the blueprint for these three products. So my son was four months at the time and I said to hubby, I've got to be honest with you, I love being a mum, but it's not enough for me. I need something else for my insanity. I miss helping other people. I miss the creative connection. So I started podcasting and I I started that podcast holding Dominic in my arms (laughs) and recording while I was in his nursery rocking chair. And and that, you know, now this year I'm into producing uh, season four. So That continued all the way through the YouTube series. I kicked off at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, That effectively is a video interview with a different group of artists about the real truths of what happens behind the music. That's why I've called it behind the music with LED. And then the radio station only came about the 1st of March, 2021. Yeah, right. We're only a, a year new there, but I guess, you know, I did go down the path of, could I get a job in radio? I've got a lot of experience, Mm. um, but I'll be honest with you. And I'd say to the faces of the people here in this beautiful town, I've been met with um, very big fears of intimidation that I'm going to go in there and, I don't know, put them out of a job. Yeah, right. (laughs) Um, I did volunteer here at the local community station and this was really the push for me to create my own station. I volunteered. I went from doing one shift to five. They wanted me to do drive shifts, you know, the Italian hour. I then had an Aussie shift as well. Mm-hmm. I was invited to be on the board. I was doing their Facebook, like all the creative stuff. And then um, someone from the post-war era generation <laughs> decided I was doing too much. And so we ended up with the CBAA Community Broadcasting Association of Australia's mediation team. And it turns out that the the perpetrators did not want to have further discussions. So that's when the CBAA encouraged me to start my own station. Yeah, right. So that's sort of the the long and the short of it. Yeah. Um, You know, I I have these skills 
for me now as a 40 year old, I think it's really sad if I'm just going to sit here and let those skills not be used. Mm. I can give back to someone and make a difference. Well, that's, that's what I now, that's why I exist, I suppose. Yeah. on you that is such a cool story it's like you're doing this because you love it and because of the the passion that you have and the reward you get from it and that's just so admirable I just love that if Thank I had you. if I had alcohol in here I'd say cheers <laughs> cheers <laughs> but the, re- the reward is not a financial reward because as I said I don't earn anything yeah. uh, I'll be honest with you I did the count this morning we have 133 featured artists over the first 12 months, we've had 3,000 unique listens, wow. which that tells me that's 3,000 people who had not previously heard the artists because I do get feedback. Mm-hmm. I get feedback from the listener. You know, where can I buy the merch or how do I buy the song? And I then point them to that artist's website or Spotify. Spotify is a naughty word, isn't it? But, you know, <laughs> Apple Music, wherever, wherever they can buy the music, I should say. Yeah. Um, but the reward, you know, in a verbal sense, I do get some thank you messages from the artists themselves. Mm. But admittedly, um, you know, that doesn't come through all the time either. Sometimes I feel like I'm uh, the Mrs. Christmas, you know, like, <laughs> because if you think of like Santa, Santa does all these wonderful things on Christmas Eve, delivers all these presents to boys and girls and never gets a thank you. Mm. And yep. that's, you know, I've got a couple of colleagues that we all do the same kind of thing and it gets to Christmas time and we say to each other, we didn't really get many thank yous this year, did we? Mm. But it doesn't stop us because we know that, that, you know, that impact is most of the time not something you can measure. Mm. That's it, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Ah, Good on you. Sorry, I keep saying that. I don't want to sound patronising, but I think you're you're doing amazing. Because um, no, the thing like community radio is amazing. Like from my other thing that I do apart from the podcast, you, you're aware of it, but um, yeah. some of the listeners might not be that I, I'm a singer and songwriter and I release music myself, um, mostly recorded in this room, <laughs> pay people to play instruments for me. And, and if it wasn't for community radio, my music would not get, heard basically um i mean it's on all the streaming platforms but people will generally just find that by accident they're not going to go in there and search for me because no one knows who i am um yeah and obviously my music doesn't come under the banner of commercial radio that's a whole a whole different industry all of its own so if it wasn't for community radio i wouldn't have an audience so i'm so grateful we've got an amazing station down here 100.1 5gdr fm is our station in mount gambia and yeah, they have the AMRAP show. Janet does this show and every now and then she'll get me on for a chat and there's the Thursday Night Live where they get people from the Mount to come in and either sing or chat, play the play their albums. And, you know, it just, it's it's small, but it's huge to us, you know. And I but, think that's wonderful. I mean, if, if, if our, our listener is in the same community that you are, 
hold on to and cherish those relationships of community radio. Mm. Find someone that can fly your flag. Yeah, because that's it, isn't it? Yeah. It is even, I believe, even hard to get into community radio. I mean, I can remember back in 2016, we were getting press releases from Sony for Beyonce. Oh, and I'm wow. pretty sure everyone <laughs> knew who Beyonce was. <laughs> Oh man! So, I mean, that's that's really it's sadly that's who you're competing with. Yeah, that's it, isn't it? And when you say you're only com- compelled to play twenty five percent Australian mm-hmm. music, um, yeah, it's a big. There's a lot of competition. <laughs> it is yeah. a lot of competition, and that's where, like, I could have gone down the path of seeking funding to launch my own community radio station. However, that would have meant that I would have had to rely on the local community to have the same vision, to rely on government funding, which has its pressures. Mm. And honestly, for what the cost is for me to carry Osnow Radio as an internet radio station, it's 24 hours pure original Australian music. We don't have any ads. It's just music. So, you know, in many ways I can take the bull by the horns and continue to lead it. It's not just me. I've got a, also a developer over in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. That's where the service is. So you could say we're headed up in Melbourne, but, you know, Joel is our administrator. Um, you know, then I've got others that are about to come on board around middle of the year. We're going to start having a show on a Sunday night. Mm-hmm. But again, it's only original Australian music. You won't hear anything that's commercial. You won't hear anything that's not Aussie. Mm. That's so unique, isn't it? Like there wouldn't there wouldn't be many like that out there. <laughs> I don't I don't think there is, but I'll be honest with you, I've never worked on any project in my life where I've been so worried about a competitor or monitoring a competitor. I'm I kind of play my own lane mm-hmm. and focus on what I'm doing. And yeah. that means that I don't get distracted. I can just keep moving forward. Mm. Yeah, that's a really good point too. Um, that's probably something some of our listeners might be able to relate to too. That it's sort of we don't need to look around and compare ourselves to others and be worried what someone else no. is putting out. We just do what feels right to us and it's true to us. Yeah. Right. Well, you've mentioned that you have three children under two, which is massive. <laughs> Could you share with us a little bit more about them? <laughs> so, and look, when I, when I talk about, and I, they say, because it's a really common question when you meet new people and they say, so how many kids do you have? And now I can say, well, I have two-year-old Dominic and I have my four-month-old identical twin daughters, Amelia and Sophia. Because when I say I have three kids, two and under, the first question people say is, oh, but are they all yours? <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> because they're doing I guess the maths and working out. How did you do that? <laughs> they're doing the maths in their head. Um, uh, kids are amazing. And when I say that, you know, as a parent, as a mom, I can be really biased. <laughs> I guess I am. <laughs> we all are. We, it's okay. <laughs> we went through, give or take, about a 15-year infertility battle. Oh, wow. Um, where we had, we got married, wanted kids, and it was just 
unexplained infertility. And, you know, it got to 2018 and we thought, well, let's try this IVF journey. So that went really well with Dominic. I thought that pregnancy was hard. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, when he came out and he's, I mean, effectively like a little potato, you know, you feed, you change and just cuddle and they kind of sit there. And, I mean, that's, that's when I launched... The podcast it was four months old and he'd lay there next to me he sat there for every interview and certain songs he'd even start to kick his feet I thought this kid's going to be so into music but then when we thought we'd try for a sibling um, that pregnancy was really hard mm-hmm. so um, last year I spent 150 days in Brisbane we're currently close to Bundaberg we're 2,000 kilometers away from our family they're oh. all in South Australia yeah right and um, we had a single embryo transfer that split and then the girls, Sophia, had no fluid around her. So 16 weeks we moved to Brisbane, 19 weeks I had surgery through mm-hmm. Amelia's sac and then at 20 and a half weeks my membranes ruptured on, on Amelia. So I was then on bed rest for 81 nights. Oh, gosh. Um, waiting for them to arrive. But I worked on Oz now while I was in hospital. So <laughs> some some of these creative ventures are like a saving grace. Mm. You know, I, I don't have to do any of them because I, I am a mum and a mum is enough. Being a mum is enough. However, it gives me sanity. Mm. Yeah, and, and that's um, so important, isn't it? It's so important. It is so important. Yeah. So important. Yeah. yeah, and I can imagine it would have been quite boring being in bed for that long. It <laughs> was. You... I mean, look, I had toilet privileges and I could walk a few steps to the patient lounge, which is where I had, I was able to participate in, you know, craft classes and cooking classes. But, you know, it was very frustrating because I didn't know what was going to happen. Mm. All of the odds we were given, you know, water's breaking at 20 and a half weeks, the babies were not viable. But through some miracle, I made it to 32 weeks in one day. Um, you know, here I am now, the girls are four months old, going great guns. <laughs> I, I, I also identify myself that to spend every day, day in, day out, talking, speaking, and I don't speak to the children like they're, you know, four months old. I speak to them like I'm speaking with you. Mm. It'd be nice to have some dialogue in return. <laughs> and so in the meantime, it's the conversations I have through my creative projects that really keep me going. Mm, absolutely. And being in, so far away from your family too, it's like you need yeah. you need that. It's really important. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I do. Yeah. For myself. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. I wonder, I was just thinking as you were saying, you know, 20 weeks, the odds aren't great. But I wonder if because you were... Um, looking after yourself mentally as well, that it's sort of, I don't know, I'm probably drawing a really long bow here, but you kept yourself healthy in all ways, I suppose. And that probably gave the girls a good chance. You were able to stay, yes. they were able to stay in for a long time. I don't I'm know. Not really, I'm, I'm not making... really sure, to be honest, because <laughs> I was I was devastated. I mean, we knew that was my only egg. Yeah, right. And so that embryo to split was like a miracle in itself. And knowing, like they said to me, you know, okay, you've had your surgery 10 days ago, but if the girls come now and there's a 75% chance that they will arrive within 48 hours, they will not be viable. 
So I, what really kept me going, the mindset thing, I mean, I was supported by social workers, occupational therapists, pastoral care, psychologists, a, a huge team of clinical support. I had created for myself a countdown, funnily enough, to 32 weeks. So my obstetrician would come to see me and he'd say, don't do anything exciting. And I'd go, oh, 73 sleeps till 32 weeks. And he'd be like, let's just get you to 22 weeks. <laughs> and that, you know, the, the, the goalposts kept moving. I had two MRIs while I was pregnant as well. But whenever I felt like all hope was lost, I grabbed the MacBook that I'm currently recording with you right now. And I would, you know, lay my bed, you know, I couldn't really sit up, but I would lay in my bed and plug away and do whatever I could, knowing that I was creating a difference not necessarily just to someone else's life, but also that positive destruction for me mm. was helping yeah. carry me through a very difficult pregnancy. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not sure if you want to talk about this or not. I might be prying. I don't, so tell me, please, if I'm not, Ask if I'm me. overstepping the mark. So when you found out that Sophia had no fluid, Sophia had no fluid. What was that conversation like when the doctor said to you, "This is what's happening"? You're listening to the. Did they sort of say, "If you don't do anything, this is what will happen"? Like, what sort of odds were you yeah, given that, at that point? That conversation was a terrifying conversation. Um, because there's more to the story. I had just checked in because the day, the following day, we were to fly to Port Douglas. Um, I was going to celebrate my 40th birthday with my husband and my son. And we were going to have a little gender reveal party for the three of us oh. to find out what gender the babies were. So, yep. you know, I was at the hairdresser with colour on my hair. My obstetrician rings and says, I need to see you straight away. Oh. We'd had a scan the day before and... You know, to go to that appointment with my husband and have her say, I'm really sorry, but one of your little girls does not have any fluid. We'd been having scans the week before and we would see Sophia with, you know, kind of like her hands around her face. And Amelia, you could see, was kicking her. And we thought, oh, poor thing, she's protecting herself, you know. Like yeah. They're already fighting, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we used to kind of joke and say, well, because we had baby, you know, bump names for them. And we'd say, oh, you know, maybe Telly um, is going to be the quiet one and Quelly is going to be the outrageous one. But it turned out that Sophia wasn't moving much because she had no fluid to move in. Wow. So that in itself, you know, we had to cancel. And I, I still am quite disappointed of what I, what I missed out on during the pregnancy. You know, the things that you do, the baby shower, the gender reveal, the time we had planned in August to be with our family in Adelaide to do a gender reveal with them. Yeah. It's kind of rituals. I missed out on all of that. 
Mm. We missed out on setting up the nursery. Yeah. You know, it wasn't as simple as, oh, we just used Dominic's stuff because there were two of them. We had to get double, mm. double bassinet, double pram, double cots, double everything, yeah. double high chairs. So that conversation was really just the beginning of the terror because yeah. then we had to pack. And, look, we packed like we were going for an appointment. I only packed four outfits mm-hmm. in my overnight bag. And I took my Mac because I thought, you know what, like we're going to be there for a few days. Maybe I can work on Oz now. Like that was my thinking. Mm. But then on the Monday, the 12th of July, when we had that conversation and my obstetrician was, he drew on the whiteboard. It's like, well, these are your options. Termination. Or he said, we just wait and see. Because he said, you could lose the babies any day now. And this was the thing is while Sophia had no fluid, Amelia's heart was working overtime and she risked going into cardiac arrest because she had too much fluid around her oh wow you know and at 16 weeks and and five days uh, I'm being told well you know you really need to get to 19 weeks we were at stage two with twin to twin transfusion syndrome which meant that Sophia you couldn't see her bladder she didn't have any fluid going through her And we know how important fluid is for the development. So, Mm. um, you know, scans twice a week to see, is there a heartbeat? And even that early, you can't really feel movements. Mm. With twins, you don't know if they're both moving or only one's moving. Um, So we were really, really lucky that we got to be able to have the surgery, Mm -hmm. um, which I was awake for under sedation. Yeah, right. And, uh, you know, a lot of families don't even get to have the surgery. Mm. Yep. Yeah. That's incredible. Thank you for sharing that. Thanks for opening the opportunity for me to share it. Yeah. And you were also um, the girls and you were, and your husband was on um, an episode of Catalyst, which yeah, was we were. produced by the ABC, which I actually have watched and it's, it's hard to watch, but it's also incredibly uplifting to watch because um, the, you sort of realise they put into perspective how far modern medicine has come to be able to make it possible for these little people to live, basically, and to have those options. Um, yeah, what, what was that like, sort of having that? I mean, you're in hospital, the girls are still in hospital, um, and you've did it feel comfortable having that the camera crew there and you know strangers talking to you that was okay at at the time I mean Tom the producer of the day we had a bit of a a chuckle together because when he gave me the media release forms I said oh I'm very familiar with these and at that point Alison you know we had decided with Dominic that we would not put his photo on social media because we don't necessarily trust who's in receipt of that photo Mm. We don't necessarily like the way social media uses photos. But my husband and I came to this agreement that, well, hang on, if we can share our story, this will be a story of hope for other people, other families. And so on that basis, we did the media release forms. I'll be honest with you, I was only discharged the day before. Oh, wow. (laughs) So I'd had a cesarean. And I noticed now in my health app that from the 8th of August, Till the 3rd of November, I had averaged 20 to 80 steps a day. 
Oh, wow. And that day that they filmed was my first day, not of 20 to 80 steps, but 6,000. Oh, my gosh. 6,000 steps. Because we had, I'd been discharged and we'd been, we'd, we'd chosen to rent an apartment a kilometre away from the hospital. So C-section and all, walking six kilometres a day because I would go back and forth three times. Oh, wow. Standing for the crew, the most uncomfortable thing of that interview was the pain I was in at the end of it because we interviewed for about an hour and a half, even though I think we're on the the episode for about three minutes. It was an hour and a half of filming. Um, I had booked my first COVID jab that afternoon and David had to go and grab a wheelchair to take me to it because I physically could not walk any further. Mm. So the opportunity to share was amazing because Professor Helen Liley it was her dad, as you saw in the episode, her dad was who pioneered fetal surgery. Mm. And um, we're just so lucky that we had the outcome that we did because we were given other numbers. Mm. Yeah. So it was it was harder for us to watch it back yeah, right. than it was for us to record it because we were kind of in a state of euphoria at that point. Yeah. You know, we, we'd yeah. been told that day that the girls would likely be coming home within, say, four weeks five weeks mm. yeah when you, your husband says oh we'll be home for Christmas and it's like oh that was yeah it's incredible <laughs> you've got that that to look forward yeah. to yeah yeah, yeah. Well, that's pretty pretty awesome again like you're sharing because you want to help other people it's like like you said before like it's what you're meant to be doing it's like what you're put on earth to do and <laughs> yeah. yeah it's that's so good and uh, I've recently been in chats with the Marta Foundation that mm-hmm. I will also be working towards fundraising to support that clinical support they provide in the research. So the story doesn't end there. Yeah. No, that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah really Thank good. You. I can feel the weight of pushing down from every angle. Can you see? You're listening to the Art of Being a Mum podcast with Alison Newman. So having three children, how do you find the time to do creatively what you, <laughs> what you want to do? Is it a bit of a challenge? <laughs> yeah, look, I have a way to multitask, which I feel comes from my, my days spent working at McDonald's. Yeah, <laughs> I do streamline, you know, I do, <laughs> I do streamline processes. For me, everything feels like a process. Mm-hmm. And admittedly, when the children are sleeping, so Dominic goes to school five days a week. I call it school. Um, it's ELC. Mm-hmm. But even when he's home on the weekend, if hubby is working, because hubby's an interventional cardiologist as well, so he's rarely home. Mm-hmm. Kids are asleep. It's my time to shine. And that's what I do. Yes. So I, I typically spend, you know, an hour on Mondays, an hour on Tuesdays. I don't have big ticket focus. Do you know what I mean? I don't have to sit because the radio station runs itself. Yep. It's me adding new music or me communicating with new artists. Now coming up um, next month, I start production of my podcast and my YouTube series that's really big ticket stuff because I'm talking about, you know, creating an episode 
where I'm recording my own intros, my own outros, you know how it works. Mm, Um, And again, with that, you know, I've got a pretty good setup here at home with my studio. I I really, anytime there's an opportunity, I don't sleep during the day. I've worked out that my, my ability or my, the ways in which I can recharge is not through having a nap. I recharge through being creative. Mm. Yep. What about you? How do, how do you recharge? Oh, lately it's been through napping. <laughs> actually, just <laughs> just coming into this room, actually, just being in this room just gets me yeah. gets me feeling good. Like I'll open the, I've got the, the window closed at the minute because obviously we're recording, but I'll open that window, let the breeze in, let the sun in and, I don't know, just the smell of it, just just being in here. And even if I'm not actually doing anything in particular, I might just sit in here and fluff around. And, just being in your know. zone. Yeah, it is. And it and it's so, like, we're lucky we've got the room in the house where I can come in and I know I've got a fair bit of Lego in here still, but the boys generally take it out in the house to play with it. But it's like people know this is my space and if the door's shut, don't come in because that probably means I'm recording. Otherwise, the door's open and everyone barges in. <laughs> <laughs> but that too it's like I'm I'm here I'm lucky I don't have to go anywhere else to do what I do unless it's a gig but yeah. I'm I'm still accessible to the family which is of course important for me I like to know what people are up to and if they're not doing what they're you know they're doing something they're not supposed to be doing with two yeah, well, boys I think, <laughs> I think that's really really important and I guess what you're saying as well the fact that we as mums need to be flexible you know because I say I'm a mum first and a music publicist second. So, you know, I'm sitting here. This is the first time I'm in my home studio since last July. So I was pregnant yeah. when I sat here last. And I'm I'm looking at the door. I will not be able to fit the double pram through the door. <laughs> so it, it just brings to mind that I do spend a lot of time where I'm doing like the back end of the creative stuff. Mm-hmm. My desk is my kitchen table. Yeah, right. And my breakfast bar because the girls are asleep in their bassinets upstairs. Mm-hmm. Upstairs is our living entertainment area where in my office downstairs, this will likely be times when, you know, because I'm going to have to carry them in here somehow. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and look, I have been really creative this season with my podcast where I've essentially, I pre-record my questions. Mm-hmm. And my guests pre-record their answers and I stitch it together as a conversation. Yeah. I did that for season two of my podcast and no one, well, now obviously people know, but <laughs> secret between you and me. And that's the thing, like, I guess as, as mums, you know, I feel it's really important that we have our own sense of identity mm. because I personally want to pass it on to my children. Yeah. You yeah. know, I need to fill my cup so I can fill theirs. And it's this creative soul stuff that really fills my cup. Mm. And I want them to grow up just as fiercely independent in their own identity. Mm. Absolutely. That is so good. I'm, I'm going to quote you on that. I love that. <laughs> Thanks. Tag, tag me. Yeah, tag yeah. Me on, I'll, I'll on tag the you. IG. <laughs> <laughs> oh.
Yeah, because identity is is a really big topic. I find that everyone has their own take on it, which is natural because everyone's different. Mm. Um, but I find that a lot of artists, because generally because you were doing this stuff before you had your children, it's part of it is part of your core identity. It's you grew up creating or um, playing music or painting, whatever, and it doesn't just go away just because you have children. It's not like that part of no. your life disappears, you know. Um, no. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. Look, I want to say no, but I also want to say yes. Like, mm-hmm. no, it doesn't disappear. Yes, you're right. I mean, there's a big debate that usually happens when I'm talking with another mum that I haven't met before. And as that friendship evolves, they'll say things like, Ellie, look, I'm a mum and, you know, I don't really care about work. I really just want to be a mum and I love taking them to school and I love taking them to soccer. You know, I love doing that mum stuff. And, you know, I wouldn't mind doing a couple of hours a week of work. But for me, it's just the mum thing where you, Ellie, you have that real career drive. You have that real passion. And, look, I do push the envelope. But I think what you've just said is spot on. I mean, for me, I went from doing so much radio stuff to, oh, I can't do it anymore. Mm. That's still in, it's still innate. It's still within me. But also I went through, you know, the best part of 15 years where I believed I couldn't get pregnant, mm. but I knew that I had a career. And mm. so for me, whilst it was a dream that I spent a lot of years crying for, I knew I had a career. Mm. Now, why can't I have both? Yeah. I only came to that realization really in the last week. Why, you know, this is why I'm so headstrong about you can be a mum and you can have a career. Because mm-hmm. why shouldn't you? Yeah. Why can't you? What's po- you know, think about what's possible. And really, if you want it, go out and make it happen. Mm-hmm. That's it. Find I'm in a this, way. Yeah. Look, I'm in I'm in this situation where, you know, I have pushed and pushed and pushed and Someone said to me a few years back, if you were walking through a doorway and you kept hitting your head on the door frame, would you try and go through the door again? And I said, oh, yeah. You know, I just keep <laughs> trying and trying and trying. Yeah. And, and what they were trying to say was if you're trying to do something and it's not working, it's not getting to you to where you want to go, be creative and think up a solution. Mm. Think up a different doorway. Yeah. For me, you know, I could have sat here 2020 when I was like, well, you know, being a mum's not enough for me. I want more. I could have just wallowed in self-pity and felt mm. bad for myself and I'm the victim, you know, and, and, and mm. at the end of the day I, I kind of rose above those thoughts and went, well, can I swear? Of course you can. Fuck it. <laughs> I've got a certain amount of assertiveness within myself. I have the self-belief. I feel empowered. Fuck it. I'm going to make it happen. And I'm going to keep building on my empire of creative projects and I'm not going to stop. No one's going to stop me. And I hope, if anything, the feedback I get that I do, I hope I inspire others. Mm. Who are maybe feeling, you know, ripped off, shafted, 
screwed over (laughs) because it does happen where you're in a role and all of a sudden it's not there anymore. Go out and make it for yourself. Yeah. Don't sit back. Oh, I I didn't understand that. Up until we were in Melbourne, I I always realised that I was in control of where I was going in life and I was in control of opportunity because I created them. Mm. Something about coming to this town completely changed my thinking in that I needed someone to give me an opportunity. Yeah, right. And now just because I'm a mum does not mean I can't keep creating opportunities. Mm, Absolutely. Yeah, that is so well said. That deserves a round of applause. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I would have pressed applause on my stream deck if I had it plugged in. (laughs) (laughs) I've still got, like I said, this is my first time in the studio and I've got all these USB cords and at least I knew how to use my ring light. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love that. And like a big black log that you throw around my soul, consume me and engulf me. feeling I'm going to know the answer to this next question but I'm I'll let you answer it I'll just keep my thoughts yeah. to myself the topic of mum guilt is something I like to explore with all my guests what's your take on mum guilt hmm I don't feel mum guilt and that makes me feel guilty no. <laughs> <laughs> oh. so I, I can remember I went for my six-week checkup with Dominic and I said to my obstetrician I don't know this doesn't feel normal but I don't feel bad like when he cries I don't feel guilt that I need to run to him I don't feel you know if I'm going to take a bit longer in the shower if I want to go leave him with his dad and go to the shops by my, I don't feel and she said no that is quite normal <laughs> And look, with the girls, it's even it's even worse because, you know, I had to leave them in the NICU for five and a half weeks. And yep. at that point, I had to say to myself, Eleanor, you know, you can't look after them right now. They've got nasal gastric tubes for feeding. They've got an inline. They're in isolates. I mean, there's no way I could have brought them home. Mm-hmm. But that detachment has yep. gone so far that yep. like now... I could leave the house and not even acknowledge that I'm leaving. Mm-hmm. I was like, laters, you know. <laughs> and then it's not until, because I'll be at the shops and I'll be thinking, oh, a latte would be nice now. <laughs> and I'll take my time. And it's not until I walk, you know, drive in the driveway and I walk in the door and I go, hang on, I never said goodbye to them. <laughs> so I think the mum guilt thing comes from, this is my personal opinion, I think it comes from our upbringing mm-hmm. and our relationship with our own mothers. Um, my mum, I would say, would have instilled in me, you know, this thing of mum guilt, not for any reason of badness, mm-hmm. but, you know, I know the way mum put us before her mm-hmm. and I associate that with mum guilt. Yeah. Where, you know, here I am, I've got my in-laws here at the moment and I'm like well I'm going to get my hair colored I'm going to get my facial I'm getting my nails done because I need to take care of myself to look after the girls Mm -hmm. and I don't feel any guilt about that yep absolutely and why should you 
like you're still a person that that needs to be nurtured and yeah yeah and I I do want to be at that point you know in 20 years time where I'm still getting my hair done getting my nails done doing the things that make me feel a person Um, because admittedly you know I would have preferred that my mum looked after herself so that today she would feel better about herself Mm. you know it, yeah. it, it, when you put everyone else before you, how are you supposed to look after yourself? How are you supposed to do that self-care? Mm. Um, and I do feel for her that, you know, I really wanted her. If we could rewind the time, let go of that mum guilt, put yourself first, mum. Mm. You know, and I, I suppose that's what I'm telling myself. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you think that an element of what your mum experienced was a, a cultural and sort of of the time that that's what was happening yeah. to all the mums. Yeah, and I think look when we when we look at um, generation wise as well, um, you know, really, mum's parents came from overseas, so it was a different time to be growing up in Australia. Mm-hmm. You know. I suppose that generation, mum's generation, needed to parent their parents. Mm. Yeah. While whilst parenting us kids. Yeah. And that's through no fault of their own. Where here we are, where we're not, you know, we could care for our parents, but we're not parenting our parents. Mm. We're yeah. parenting our children. And who knows yeah. where it'll be when our children have their children. Yeah. <laughs> But it was a different time to be growing up in Australia, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good way of looking at it, actually. It's made me sort of have a bit of one of those light bulb moments, actually, <laughs> about my family. Um, hmm. I knew you were going to say that about mum guilt. <laughs> <laughs> you knew. <laughs> good for you. I think mum guilt's bloody load of shit. I just think it's, the, <laughs> it's this stupid thing that we're all supposed to buy into it's like no thanks I'm allowed to I'm allowed to love my children and not be with them you know it's part of their journey you know they have two parents you know I don't know it's it's true and I guess you know for me I want the children to grow up like I said before fiercely independent Mm -hmm. strong in their identity but also that as they grow older they know that mum is strong in her identity I have seen and I've heard through others where, you know, the mum has this fierce mum guilt and doesn't pursue a career and doesn't pursue other things as the children are growing up. And then the children go to school and what that mum then is kind of displaced. Yeah. So where do they fit in? Yeah. yeah, And that's the thing. I, I don't want, I don't want that for me. I don't want to set that as an example. There's more to life than that. Mm hmm. Geez, I'm yeah. enjoying talking to you. This is so good. <laughs> I'm loving talking with you. <laughs> I, I feel it. like we could almost spin off and do our own podcast. <laughs> hey, I'm always open to new ideas. <laughs> oh, dear. Going down the drain today, decay. You have to choose between the hunger and the light, between the days. And the darkness of the night, there won't be more. We are at war.
support, I want to touch on that. You talked about having your own families, like 6,000 caves or whatever. 2,000 2,000, two, sorry. Yeah. You said your family oh, was 2,000. would be even further. They'd where, be in another country. Where would that be? Yeah, <laughs> they'd be in New Zealand or further. Um, so a long, a long way away. It's not like you can just call them up and say, hey, I need you to oh, look after the kids while I, while I go to the shops. Um, I can't. Has that been very challenging being on your, no, I won't say on your own because you've obviously got, got your husband. Well, how's that? Yeah, how's that and that's, that's it. That's an interesting point too, because he's very rarely home. Mm. He has yeah. a very involved career and really his career is what is our lifestyle. It's been, it's hard. I'll put it, I'll try and put this in the nicest way possible. It's hard. It's, it's sad. The family not being able to experience the children growing up. Mm. It's also for me, what's hard is not so much that I can't ring someone to help me. It's when I hear other family members say, oh, I'm so tired. And they have family members who can help them. Mm. You yeah. know, I guess I've just grown into this situation, which is of relying on myself and myself alone. Uh, my husband helps whenever he can. He's super supportive, supportive of my career, supportive of the children and our family goals. Yeah. But realistically, Alison, the, the problem is for me that that kind of lack of recognition from others. Hang on. You know, you have a husband who works nine to five and has every weekend off. You have parents and in-laws and siblings who live five kilometres away from you. You can dump the children there and go back home and have a three-hour siesta. Don't complain that you're tired. Mm. You know, I'm so tired that I don't even know I'm tired anymore. I just know that I could fall over at any point. (laughs) Like Literally, I had blood tests done last week because my dizziness is out of control. Oh, gosh. But no, I'm healthy. I'm just really tired. Really tired. It took me eight months to find a nanny. We are so blessed to have been introduced to a beautiful woman who is a nurse by day. I mean, you couldn't ask for a better Mrs. Doubtfire. (laughs) She's a registered nurse during the day and then she comes over for an hour in the afternoon. She cuddles the girls. I picked Dominic up from school. That is life-saving for me. Mm Yeah, that in itself is the best type of help that I can get. Mm-hmm. And she's she's only been with us for maybe six weeks, but she's like family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know that that for me is everything. Yeah, because it's true. I can't I can't just ring up and you mm. know we actually ISOed. This was nuts. We ISOed twice within four weeks. Oh Jesus! Hubby downstairs for a week me upstairs with the three kids and then we did it again just for shits and giggles a few weeks later but that time Dominic had COVID and so did so did hubby so yeah you know again I had family saying to me in Adelaide like just ring up the nanny get her to come over can't you ring someone can't someone come in no when you have COVID or you're a close contact and you're an ISO Mr Woolworths can't even walk through the front door yeah that's it yeah. Yeah. So that was a bit, you know, again, that was frantic, but I'll be honest with you, while that was happening and I had the three children for 24 hours for a week, I was still working on Oz now. 
nothing's gonna stop you is it <laughs> nothing's, nothing's gonna oh, stop me good on no. you no god i love it oh <laughs> honestly if anyone is feeling unmotivated all they'd have to do is listen to you talk about how you make things happen <laughs> and they'd be like right i'm doing it i'm pumped now <laughs> ellie's got me fired up <laughs> Oh. Look, sometimes, you know, there's that whole uh, theory of momentum. Mm -hmm. You may not feel like doing it, but when you start doing it, you'll feel like it eventually. Mm. I have little hacks where if I put on some citrus oil. Yep. Or, you know, in, in Melbourne, our house, the kitchen was off the la laundry was off the kitchen. And if I put one of those pods in the washing machine, of course, with clothes in the washing machine, that citrus smell yep. was like, you know, kind of like starting the lawnmower for me. Mm, and yeah. so that's where, you know I've picked up on oh I don't feel like doing that now I I would be the queen of procrastination if I look back 10 years ago yeah. um but like I said to, I said to hubby being a, a mum of twins and a singleton toddler it's totally doable you just have to be organized mm -hmm. so I do admittedly have a lot of you know citrus smelling oils and citrus smelling melts mm -hmm. um, that I burn and what have you so that I can keep motivated during the day. Yeah. Lots of coffee. Lots of coffee. <laughs> In that instant, how lives have changed forever. It's so raven and cool but that's it though yeah it's like when things don't when you do have those times you've got your toolkit to say right I've got to do this I want to do this let's make it happen again it's like you're making things happen yeah and I think uh, joined with that is you also need to listen to yourself mm -hmm. so even though I say I don't recharge through napping there was one day in the past month where I'm sorry, I just can't do today. Yep. And I napped when the girls napped. I've never listened to my body quite as much as I have since I've become a mum because I know I, I'm there for my children. Mm. Yeah. And so it. I have to listen to myself. It's that thing again of I have to fill my own cup. Yep. Yep. That's you, it, can't, you can't have a day off. There's no annual leave. No, that's it, isn't it? <laughs> they don't go away. They're always hanging around. <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> I know you're only four months old, but I really need today off. Yeah. So come back tomorrow when I'm feeling a bit better. <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs> Change your own nappies. Sunshine Sundays. You come my way. Sing songs and drink your wine. Yeah, we lose track of the time. Sunshine, Sundays, love comes my way. There's nowhere else I'd rather be.
because that's the only way it's been done before. Mm. As a mum who is a creator, not just a creator as a mum, mm. but a creator <laughs> in, the, in the, you know, YouTube podcast radio sense, you know, every day I find myself asking that question, what is possible? It's okay to challenge the norm that is what it is to be a mum. Yeah. Someone has to do it. That's it, isn't it? Or else nothing yeah. changes, nothing, nothing I, changes. I also wanted to ask, through. can I ask you a question? Yeah, go for it. What are your thoughts on this word mumpreneur? Because I get really stuck on it. And, look, I remember before I got, before I was pregnant, before I had kids, I used to say to my husband, Oh, I don't understand why do why do mums have to say they're a mumpreneur? And look, I'm as open to this question as you are with the mum guilt. Yeah. But you know, I said, you know, I will never call myself a mumpreneur because yeah. I am either an entrepreneur or a solopreneur. And you know, if you were a dad, you wouldn't call yourself a dadpreneur. And he said, mm. No, I wouldn't. Why would I do that? Yeah. What do you think is the significance? Because like. I don't want to also dismiss there are mums who feel they need to call themselves a mumpreneur. What's the significance in saying, like, I have these creative aspirations and goals, but, hey, I want you to know I'm a mum. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like it's a load of crap. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I want your honest opinion. (laughs) (laughs) Just, like, punched out my filter. Filter agrees with me. Um, it's, I don't know, I feel like there's a lot of people who have to make it, like it's almost like before when you said about mums who are tired and it's like they've got to whinge about it, right? Instead of just going and doing something about it, they've got to let the world know that life's really hard. Is that what you think it is? I I have a feeling it's like, I feel like it's like, I don't know, I feel like, yeah, I think that's how I feel about it. It's like, why can't you just be an artist or a creator? Why do you have to then say, I mean, I'm doing it with this podcast. I've got to watch how I say this because I'm saying you're an artist and a mum, but I'm not saying it in a way that. Yeah, but you're not, you're not, you're not calling us mumpreneurs. Yeah, I don't know. I think it, I think it's a bullshit thing to be honest. It's a label thing, isn't it? Yeah, like people want to be labelled. It's like the old. Um, I don't know, who was that bird? Chris Jenny used to call herself the momager. It was like, you're the girls' <laughs> managers. Like, we don't have to turn it into some bullshit. Like, I don't know. I feel like social media has enabled us to have this audience. Yeah. Um, and I feel like it's just another made-up thing. Like mum guilt, I feel like the hashtag mum guilt is just yeah. people use it. I think I think you're right you know, onto that you know because I mean? You're now getting me thinking about, you know, I can remember on LinkedIn seeing people say they were a social media magician. And mm. I was like, oh, so, so you're going to pull a you- rabbit out of your computer? Yeah. Hiding my tears from the world. Oh, but I gotta let you go. You talked about you're going to get stuck into YouTube a bit more and your podcast. What have you got sort of coming up 
that you can share with us? Yeah, so I have season four of my podcast mm-hmm. coming out in June. Yep. And around the same time, I have season three of Behind the Music with LED coming up on YouTube. So the distinct difference, I think I'm, you know, I kind of made a boo-boo because I call them both Behind the Music with LED, but the podcast is audio only. Mm-hmm. And then the YouTube is video and it's not like a video of the audio recording. Right. It is like watching a mini series. So ah. it's a completely different artist. I throw my questions at them. They give me their raw responses. And then of course, my next suggestion is you go and find them online. You have a listen um, with Oz. Now I'm also in the process of uh, developing this schedule where we're going to have a Sunday night show I can't share too much there, but I can share that I've got a couple of announcers. Mm -hmm. Um, Funnily enough, they're all in Melbourne. I'm the only one in Queensland. And we're going to dig deep into the library and really bring out the talent. Because this is the thing is songs get announced. There's no intro. There's no outro. Every six songs on Oz Now, you'll hear someone say, hey, I'm the artist name. You're listening to Oz Now or keep it tuned to Oz Now. We Mm -hmm. don't have, you know, because, again, it's not, for revenue it's there for the purpose of discovering new music so yeah yeah that's currently what I'm working on and the production stuff for the YouTube is more challenging for me than the podcast but mm-hmm. I love watching it when it goes live <laughs> so, so I go I go to my local <laughs> I go to my local better electrical store and I'm like what's happening with the TVs today can I give them a go and then all of a sudden they turn around and 12 TVs have my series on there <laughs> fantastic when they're all on at the same time oh, that's cool especially in hd so <laughs> <laughs> oh. i'll try the good guys too <laughs> that is cool. just bring up all the stores <laughs> get my views up <laughs> i love that that is awesome yeah uh, dear. so can you tell us like obviously youtube um where can people find your radio like it's Oz now radio if you go to oznowradio.com.au so that's o-z like the wizard of oz mm-hmm. oznow.com.au there you'll find and you can press play on the web player mm-hmm. oh i haven't shared yeah i'm also working on an app that you can oh, download cool. so at the moment you can hear oz now if you listen to ones like my tuner on tuning you can program it i mean i've got a sonos that I've, I use my tuner to listen to it. Streamer, Icecast, there's Radio Garden, there's a ton of streaming platforms. But, yeah, I'm, I'm just quietly working on an app. How did I forget exciting. about that? And that way people <laughs> can download the OzNow app and, you know, you don't need to go looking for it. You just grab the app. Mm, that's wonderful. For, Good for you. Thank you. For, for the, um, the podcast and the YouTube series, just go to Google and type in Behind the Music with LED and it's not LED like the light it's E double L I E space D for dog beautiful thank you for sharing that that app sounds so cool I'm excited for that oh it looks it'll look really cool when I've taken off the generic branding of someone else's radio station (laughs) (laughs) ah good stuff loved talking to you today it's just been such a joy I've got sore cheeks from smiling and laughing so much it's been wonderful we'll have to do it again and I'd love to feature you on Oz Now Radio so we should have more of a chat about that 
thank you. I would absolutely love that. Thank <laughs> you so much, Jelly. It's been a pleasure. Thanks again. Thank you. Thanks for your company today. If you've enjoyed this episode, I'd love you to consider leaving us a review, following or subscribing to the podcast, or even sharing it with a friend you think might be interested. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the podcast, please get in touch with us via the link in the show notes. I'll catch you again next week for another chat with an artistic mum.